Hello and welcome to Living Stones, a podcast of conversations with the people of Red Mountain Community Church, highlighting the victories and struggles, the snapshots and stories of the people, hopefully, someday, soon, sitting right next to you, uh, if not now, then hopefully soon, on Sunday morning. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions and your fellow seat warmer, ideally, at Red Mountain Community Church. My co-host today is Trent Martin our director of junior high as of recent hiring. Welcome, Trent. Thank you. Welcome well, to Arizona and to RMCC. Yes. Thank uh, you. Y- you come from where now? Uh, born and raised California and spent the past year in Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh, okay. So you've been around. You've had a few different climates. You've yes. had like the, con- the cooler, sun- I, sunny but cooler California. I was just looking through old photos and uh, in... March, I was breaking out shorts because it was 57 degrees. Yeah. Because it was warm. And now I'm here in Mesa where it's 110. So, oh, yeah. Shorts in December <laughs> for me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you've been on the job for how long now, do you think? Oh, gosh. Since April? Okay. It's mid April. Oh, man. That's longer than I thought. But that's just because we're never around each other. So, yeah. we don't see anybody. <laughs> we don't see you. Um, I've seen you doing Zoom calls yep. uh, with my son, Asher. So, good luck with that situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you say is... I've asked all the uh, ministry leaders that have co-hosted this question. So far, I know it's early days, but what would you say are the, is the most enjoyable aspect of what you're doing in your work and the most challenging part so far? Yeah, um, most enjoyable is just, uh, I really, me and my wife, so really love just the Red Mountain community. We felt really cared for uh, by the church, even though we've had to socially distance and not be able to meet in person. We felt really cared for just by members of the church. And that's most enjoyable for us, I think, and me is just, uh, having a community that just kind of was like, you're here, we're going to love you. And that's been awesome. Oh, that's great. Um, the hardships though, I think it's the hardships everyone in life is facing right now, just with, uh, you know, global pandemic. Um, the hard, that's just been the hard part is just trying to transition in to where you're like, Oh, I I've never seen you before in person. I've only seen you on zoom. Yeah. This is what you look like. Okay. This is, you have a personality. You're not just always muted. Like yeah. you talk. Um, yeah. so that's just been the hardest part. It's just been trying to, uh, transition into a ministry role, which is very personal and relational. Yeah. But we're in a uh, you know a weird world where some people can come, some people can't, um, and just trying to navigate that kind of transition. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought of something that my son wants me to do. That Asher has been asking me to do. He <laughs> wants to know how tall we are compared to each other. Let's stand up for a second because I'm six three, and I hear you're like six twelve or something like that. So what do we got? Where? Okay, you guys are gonna, you're gonna have trouble hearing this at home and you're not gonna see the comparison. I just wanna give you an idea. We're both standing up straight and I, my eyes are right, my eyes are meeting his mustache. Mustache. That is really, okay, that's something. So that's what that feels like, okay. Uh, that's like the, 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 the relatively new experience I've had with some of my nephews in, uh, in just recent years. They've just yeah. gotten tall enough. I'm, I'm used to being the tall guy around. And, it is uh, weird to have other tall people around you because it hurts my neck. I'm used to looking down. Yeah. <laughs> and so if someone's taller than me, I'm six, like six, seven. So if someone's taller than me, they're really tall. And I have to straight, it's just weird. It's weird to talk to someone looking up. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever been hugged by someone taller than you? Yeah, it is weird. It's weird, isn't it? It's totally weird. And I totally get why I, I know someone I, I knew online for years. Uh, and, uh, and then we met in person and I hugged them and they, they later on the forums, cause they're part of the, the, that's, we know each other. So these forums in my work. And, uh, and he said, uh, in talking about meeting me, he said, yeah, he was gigantic. You know? <laughs> and I was like, it must feel, yeah. And th- so being hugged by a larger man, it's like, oh, I feel very vulnerable. Yeah, and so, there's <laughs> vulnerability. so I need to be aware of that when I'm hugging uh, people that are smaller than me. Um, what do you do for fun? Uh, I love to read. I really love sports. Um, which has been rough in uh, oh, sure. you know quarantine when all sports got canceled. Uh, but I love all sports. I'm a big jazz fan, basketball fan. Um, really, just, so I read a lot, watch a lot of sports, play video games, and then I really love uh, good coffee. Um, and yeah, the occasional craft beer. Nice, nice. Okay, let's back it up because I have a point of connection here. What video games are you into? I'm a huge video game nerd. Uh, right now it's been Modern Warfare, uh, Call of Duty, okay. Okay. uh, just cause that's been, 
It's a game. That's I the re- play like the friends. remaster that they did recently. Like uh, the- no, it's the it's just a new Modern Warfare. They just decided we can't make good new games, so we're oh, gonna okay. go back to the, it's the nostalgia. Yeah, but it's, it's like the, a sequel. It's the remastered version though. They like upres the graphics or whatever. Is yeah, that they the did one? that. And yeah, you can gotcha. buy that in the franchise. Yep. Okay. So, um, that's what I've been playing recently. Nice. Not too much else. Uh, I might get into Animal Crossing though. We'll see. Really? I've just been it's, hearing too much hype about it. It's there's quite the sensation around it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm I don't think it would be my thing, but I'm pretty sure that it would be more fun than getting hit with a metal poll question of the week of the month. Excuse me, it's not a weekly podcast. Come on, Pater. Uh, RMCChurch.org/slash/podcast. Uh, this poll question's from a little while back. It was an elimination question. Oh, you have to eliminate one franchise, as in it never existed. Which one would you eliminate? Your choices for elimination are. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, and Narnia. Narnia. So this is the entire franchise. I, I, I assume it's not just movies. It's any iteration of wow. this. The books. This, yeah. The books. Like the, the existence of this intellectual property is out and you have to choose one. Six people chose to eliminate Lord of the Rings. Wow. Five people chose to eliminate Narnia. 22 chose to eliminate Star Trek. Hmm. Uh, technically no one flat out chose to eliminate star Wars. Although some comments said, uh, just eliminate all of them, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> some of the more interesting flavorful comments we got were, uh, James Neiman just rebelliously typed Battlestar Galactica. Uh, <laughs> ugh, I, I, I do feel that that's a little bit like a, 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 maybe not like a knife in my ribs, but like at least some kind of a needle or a little pinprick in my ribs, James. Um, I'm with you on the classic series. I don't have any love for that. And, you know, the, the reboot had some issues, especially in how it ended, but ugh, it still hurts a bit, James. Uh, Janetta Meister. Okay. She's going to have a good answer. I introduced her to the greatest television show ever made. She wrote, uh, this is so mean. And then Ryan Burchette, in response to her uh, comment, said in a Darth Sidious voice, do it. Uh, Janetta responded, uh, Ryan, sure. I might as well pick my least favorite child while I'm at it. And she did. (laughs) She chose. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, She says, fine. I pick Star Trek, but it's your fault. We now live in a world without replicators and transporters. Hallie Carl, uh, our leader of women's ministries, says, if we are going with movies, Narnia, does this make me less spiritual? Or Star Trek, unless they are the Chris Pine ones, because those are good. I yeah, agree. If it's, if it's movies, Narnia, that's an easy choice. You think so? Yeah, they just weren't that great. Yeah, but there's a lot of good Lord of the Rings movies. With well, Hobbit, not really. But I thought the first, I thought the first Narnia movie was solid. It was, but then after that, just they tapered, tapered off. off. So you can get rid of the movies. Easy. We both said tapered off at the same time. <laughs> oh, look at us, best buds. Uh, let's see. She also said, I also don't like episode two of Star Wars. Ugh, so many options. Ryan Bruchette. Uh, said execute order 66 on Star Trek. Wow. That's harsh, man. I, I just, I think if we were to ask, get rid of, you know, the millennial Ryan Brochette, they would, <laughs> they would not. Star Trek is a classic with the TV series and the old movies. Even the new movies aren't bad. Uh, I just I, think it gets, a lot, it gets a lot of hate. It gets a lot of nerd hate is what it gets. I think there's... Uh, Star, Star Wars, Star Trek, Star Trek yeah, Star Wars, culturally relevant, right? You get you get some girls who go to Starbucks with Star Wars shirts on. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, it's a there's a fan base that isn't j- just solely kind of nerdy, yeah. Um, and then you know, Star Trek though, I think kind of suffers from you get people who speak Klingon, yeah. And yeah. I think that's a cultural turnoff to people who d- aren't necessarily you know kind of openly nerdy because I think everyone's nerdy, but you know, I used to own a Klingon dictionary. Exactly. See, there's just some people, <laughs> some people are, you know, are, aren't down for that kind of uh, fan base, Yeah. you know? So I think Star Trek, I love Star Trek. I think it's, but in this set of four, it was doomed. Mokcha-chawi. I, I, I'm not sure, but I think that's how you say praise the Lord or the closest equivalent in Klingon. I, I, that, I learned that at a youth conference. And then after that, sometime after that, I bought the dictionary. But uh, uh, Christina Amy said, I'm so sorry, Narnia, don't come for me. John Norton, my bro-in-law, said, the Left Behind series, I mean Star Trek. Uh, 
So Trent, I've heard some of your thoughts on this as we've been going through. Where would you finally land in which one of these you would eliminate? I'll give you the options again. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, and Narnia. Which one ceases to exist? Uh, I'm going to go with Narnia because we have lots of great C.S. Lewis stuff that is not Narnia Hmm. still. Yeah. Uh, But if you eliminate any of the other ones, that's kind of it for the franchise and and that thought kind of process. So get rid of Narnia. Um, People could still know the gospel through allegory and other books yeah. uh, <laughs> and right. series. So that, that's, yeah, Narnia yeah. is my answer. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard. I, I, uh, I'm kind of over Star Wars. Um, I appreciate what it did and what it led to. And that's why I wouldn't, that's why I wouldn't uh, want it to cease existing. Cause if yeah. you don't have Star Wars, you don't have a ton of other things, including the best television show to ever air. And I think to ever possibly be made in the future. And that's Farscape. Of course, Farscape, we don't have Farscape without Star Wars. And so I have to let Star Wars survive for that alone. Uh, I can't get rid of Lord of the Rings. Because without Lord of the Rings, we don't have like uh, Dungeons and Dragons and so many awesome fantasy video games and stuff. And speaking of D&D, we don't have the easy out. If someone's like, I'm not sure about Dungeons and Dragons to Christians, we can say, well, it's like Lord of the Rings. That was written by a Christian. And so that somehow makes it okay. That's true. That is an easy Um, answer. I'm being a little, I'm being a little uh, contentious here. I'm being a little spicy, being a little controversial. I would like to point out that the views of Peter Franson do not reflect the views of Red Mountain Community Church, although he sometimes thinks that they really should. Uh, so, yeah, and then Star Trek. Uh, I'm a huge geek, and like all my work revolves around geek stuff. So you guys had to know that I was going to latch onto this topic a little bit. Sorry, I'm talking a little bit extra. Uh, Star Trek again. I watched uh, like I did watch the original series. I watched Next Generation and Onward, basically, except for I didn't watch the Scott Bakula series because that ugh, I won't get into why. That's man, some missed opportunities there. <sighs> uh, but again, Star Trek. You don't have Star Trek. You don't have so many things that it influenced, including. The best television show ever made and possibly to ever be made, which is, do you, do you happen to know? Uh, I think you're going to say Farscapes. Farscape is correct. Farscape. Farscape. Yeah. I, I've yeah, never watched it. So that's I right. Know. Oh, okay. Well, it's not for everyone, but it is certainly for Peter Franson. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know if uh, Tobin Cookman is a Star Trek geek. Man, these transitions are really hard. But we had a great conversation with Tobin about some totally non-nerdy stuff. Uh, Tobin is a longtime member of our Elder Board. We brought him on the podcast to talk about his uh, unique journey to faith in Christ and, and also to share a little bit about what it's like to be an elder at Red Mountain. So here is that great conversation right now. Tobin, thank you so much for doing this. I've really been looking forward to talking to you both because I've I've heard just a little bit about your story, not a lot, but then also having an elder on the podcast, something I've been looking forward to. So thank you for carving out time and, and braving the microphones. You're welcome. It's good to be here. Um, I want to first just get a snapshot of kind of what your day-to-day is like and what does that involve? All right. So I work for a big multinational um, a publicly traded company. It's a semiconductor company uh, based. Our corporate headquarters are down in Phoenix. Okay. And uh, the company's on semiconductor. We were divested out of Motorola about 20 years ago, give or take a, a few months. And uh, I lead their HR organization. So anything that has to do with people, I have an opportunity to uh, lead or speak into that. Uh-huh. I have an outstanding staff. So if it has to do with hiring, training, um, promoting, rewarding, recognizing, um, developing, succession planning, all of that falls under my organization's responsibility. And we're a multinational, so we operate in about 21 different countries, and I've been able to travel the world and see some incredible cultures, some outstanding people, and... uh, most every day, I really like it. It's pretty tough right now with COVID-19, pretty tough right now with how the business climate is. We've had to do some pretty um, uh, austere measures hmm. to make sure that we can keep our expenses at what our revenue is. But other than that, it's been great. I love the opportunity and I, I love the employees and the people I get to work with. Wow. That's like, I, I feel like I say this a lot when we have guests on, but like uh, it's it's surprisingly common when someone comes on and they'll bring up something about their life. Then I'm like, well, we got to have you back to talk about that <laughs> because I can only imagine um, just uh, how ripe the opportunity is to 
represent Christ in how you set tone and create culture, you know, as someone that is, you know, overseeing human resources, which is all about relationships and, and people, you know, working together well. And uh, I mean, like that, that must have such a fulfilling side to it. It does. I mean, it's a great environment, right? So you have, let's use COVID-19 that's taking place right now. We have an environment where we have employees that are um, very concerned of their health, Sure. And we have some employees that don't want to come back or won't come back until there's a vaccine. That mm. could be a long time in the future. Mm. We have some employees that want to work and be in the office all the time. And then we have the whole gamut in between. Mm, wow. And we all have to work toward a common goal. And we have to be in an environment where we're going to appreciate each other and the differences we all bring. Wow. And it's it's a great opportunity to be able to work in that type of environment. And then you take that across cultures and around the world and what it's like. I mean, we look at our view of what the United States looks like through this um, uh, pandemic, but you go to different countries, it's totally different. Some are more austere, some have really clamped down and, and, and uh, virus levels have gone down substantially and we're operating at 100% and we don't have shutdowns as much and our factories have run through this whole thing and yet we haven't had it jump between our factories because we have pretty austere protocols in place to keep our factories running. And so it's, it's an exciting environment, but it's also an environment where we have to um, present a workplace that's safe. Hmm and a workplace that the employees can feel comfortable in. And so, yeah, it's a great, it's, it is a great opportunity to reach out and, uh, and appreciate others. Wow, that's cool. Um, so uh, I, I wanna hear now about your background and kind of like your, your journey to faith. Can you start by telling me like the kind of home that you were raised in and what beliefs you were taught growing up? Sure. So if I was to go out and tell you what it was like, my home was very loving. I'm the oldest of four children. I have three younger sisters. Um, one of the sisters actually is a member here at Red Mountain, her and her husband and her kids. And um, growing up in that household was great. I grew up in da- down in Phoenix, pretty close to where I work. So I'm a native of Arizona. Um, I'm used to the heat, I'm used to the summer hot, and um, uh, I can say that we did a lot of fun things. We went camping, we went hiking, we uh, did a lot of outdoors thing. We didn't have a, uh, my dad was a blue collar technician at Motorola, and so he repaired a lot of the machinery. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and uh, worked at the school. We all went to the public school as we went through school because that brought in enough that we were able to do what we what we had to do. Um, he took care of us. He sent four of his kids off to college and it was a very loving environment. I think what made it a little bit different, our journey to faith is, is um, prior to our birth, both of my parents had become members of a church that if you read uh, uh, one of the books, uh, Kingdom of the Cults. Oh, I've read oh, the yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I've got that one. One of the uh, churches that my parents were a part of and were members of is named in there. Okay. And okay. it's named under the term Armstrongism. Okay. And um, they were a part of that church. And so growing up, I didn't know anything but that. And so uh, if you know a little bit about how he describes, right, a cult, he'll describe it as there's a little bit of Christianity and there's a little bit of mixed up and there's a little bit of inaccurate doctrine. Mm -hmm. And so that's the world I grew up in. And we grew up in a situation where we were pretty isolated because um, the way the church that I grew up in was is, is all the other aspects of Christianity were sort of um, real, legal, uh, real um, liberal. Um, they had lost the true um, old covenant teachings of the Ten Commandments, the Seventh-day Sabbath. This was the their view holy of other, days. Deni- of other mm-hmm. uh, Christian churches and yeah. beliefs and stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I grew up in. So I grew up not really, not keeping Christmas. I grew up not doing Easter. We did the Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread and Pentecost and Feast of Trumpets and Atonement. You go through those Jewish holidays. Those were our holidays and those were our traditions. And that was all I knew. Was there... um some celebration of resurrection, like say, um, like, or was that just kind of like every Sunday was recognizing resurrection or anything? Well, I wish I could say it was every Sunday, but we were Sabbath keepers because <laughs> oh, we kept sure. the Jewish Sabbath. Okay, and sure, so yeah. from Friday sundown till Saturday sundown, that was very sacred. It was holy time and we didn't do anything. We didn't work. We took that day off. And so when you went out there and you said, was there a resurrection between that Passover time during that 
period of unleavened bread, there would be some acknowledgement of Jesus' res resurrection, but not a celebration as we would know in traditional evangelical Christianity. So yes, Jesus was risen. We knew that, but that was not what was highlighted. It was always those days that that for us today point to who Jesus is and mm -hmm. what Jesus was going to do on the cross, but we were observing those days. And so that was my world. That was our world actually um, all the way up until I met my wife, Jennifer, and a little bit into the first part of our marriage. So you could say 25 years of our life. Okay. So um, that so, was the world I knew. Apart from like uh, holidays and emphasis of, you know, uh, some of these historical elements over others, what were some of the core beliefs, some of the essentials that uh, that are different from what we at Red Mountain would believe? Well, um, a similar would be is, I remember the day I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But as part of that, I was asked that question, do you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And yes. Have you repented of your sins? And that would mean if I was asked that question at baptism and at belief is, am I going to follow those commandments of the Old Testament? Am I going to keep oh. the Ten Commandments? Am I going to keep a, a Sabbath? Am I going to follow the holy days? How am I am I going to tie ten percent plus ten percent plus three and a half twenty plus percent? And that would have been it was like Jesus plus. That's the best way I can describe it. Is it was Jesus says, but but you need to do all these other things, and then we'll really know you're saved. Gotcha. And so um, in talking with you all, as I, as I speak on this podcast, I want to respect, um, I have family members that are here at Red Mountain, but then I also have family members that still believe pretty strongly in that, both Jennifer and I do. And, and so we love them. They're our family. Jesus loves them. They're, they're believers in the sense that they know Jesus, but they also believe they have more requirements that they need to do. Okay. And, and at a point we... And, and we came to know that, but for the first part of our life, we didn't. We believed it was Jesus plus all these things. And then maybe, maybe we would be saved and if when, we did enough. And when you say saved, just to drill down and clarify, um, we're talking about the gift of eternal life. Yeah. We're talking about justification mm -hmm. um, hung on not just Jesus. what Jesus did, but... Keeping doing a certain number of other things. So you could lose your salvation. There's another gotcha. one. Gotcha. Or not or not have it to begin with if you if don't. If you didn't do this, if you didn't show this these works. Okay. So it was faith and works. And so that was how I was raised. There was a lot of, you know, different doctrines that would be different. The doctrine mm -hmm. of the Trinity was uh, not um, supported. So um, the Holy Spirit was viewed more as a power than a person. I see. Okay. There, you know, there was a Father and a and Jesus and a Lord, but the Holy Spirit was 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 a power. So there were big doctrines that were different. There were pieces that were the same. Mm -hmm. But what we what we were is when you're in an environment like that, typically it's a real charismatic leader that sort of teaches mm -hmm. that doctrine, and that was the case. And we were encouraged not to read other materials. I see. And so we would read the writings of the leaders. And so they would pick and choose, which is different than how Red Mountain is. They would pick and choose verses to support their doctrinal thesis okay. and say, well, I'll take this one out of the Old Testament, maybe this one out of the Gospels, this one out of Paul's epistles, and, and we'll combine these in this sort of way, and this is what this means. Now, was and, that just a change in emphasis, or would they say that all Scripture is uh, from God and trustworthy? They believed it was trustworthy and it was from God, but it was interpreted this way that I, I have this belief and you pick these verses and that will support this belief. Okay. And um, so there was a period in, in one of the times early, not so much, because at the, at the death of, they called it Armstrongism in that book, at the death of the founder, the church fractured. Okay. And that was when you ask our journey, that was when Jennifer and I's journey began to change. 
Oh, so his death was fairly recent in the no, life. No, it was of... in the nineties. I see. But well, that was I mean, where the, that's yeah. recent. In the history of, I mean, that's oh, pretty yeah, recent yeah. For in the history of the church. I was yeah. born in the nineties, but that's recent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, it was. Uh, uh, it it began a change. Okay. And um, that's probably where uh, our minds and the spirit began to open our minds, and the scales fell off our eyes of all this legalistic piece and began to understand grace. Hmm. And that's the biggest difference between Red Mountain and what we grew up with is a full understanding of grace hmm. and and the saving grace of Jesus. So the, the leader passed away mm-hmm. and then at that point just in the vacuum and, and in the uncertainty you started questioning or were there any kind of people that were that were introducing questions and other ideas yeah, into So your... what happened is he he appointed a, a different leader and it sort of surprised the church at the time. So I talk about entwined. I actually worked for them corporately in okay. California. And so um, I was there at the time working corporately. We were not back in the Phoenix area at and this time. How old were you at this time? Oh we had um, three of the kids. So okay. uh, let's see Nadia's is about twenty 23 years ago. Okay. Give or take. Gotcha. And so, um, so how old was I at the time? I was like 31, 32. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so it, it began to split. And once it did, this new leader came in, he said, you know, I've been reading and I've been looking at what other church uh, doctrine is and other literature and other books. And they began to go to seminary some oh. of the leaders. So for the first time, they were actually going to seminary school. And reading the other materials and they reading weren't supposed other to read. Materials because this, Exactly. And so once that started, new ideas came in. Well, what about the Trinity? And what about, we don't have to go to church. Look at this Sunday. Why don't we go on Sunday as it, as it is the Lord's day, as it commemorates the resurrection of Jesus? Different thought began to come in. Wow. So yeah. part of the church remained um, in the past. Okay. And they held on to those old, old beliefs. Mm-hmm. And some of our family today is still there. Okay. Okay. And then part of them changed. And so the church changed its, its name and it moved forward and now is very aligned with um, evangelical Christian thought. Hmm. But that opened up a situation where Jennifer and I were like, wow, maybe there's more that we never knew. Hmm. Because Jennifer as well was born and both her parents attended that same church. So okay. we both knew nothing but this one doctrine would be the way, this one one way of life, this one teaching. Mm-hmm. And then um, at that point, we, due to a number of circumstances, decided to move to the Phoenix area. We moved here to Mesa. Okay. And that was in 97. And um, we were still attending one of the little splinter groups, but our mind was, the spirit was moving, moving. So I will... Leave it at that point and go to your next question, okay. whatever that might be. Yeah, I mean, it's a, well, you're kind of naturally uh, going in the direction I'm interested in. Um, so, how did that, as you were making that shift and realizing that you wanted to explore some different things, how did that play out and what effect did that have on just your life and your relationships as you were kind of making that transition? Okay. So that that probably was a, that would be described as a pretty pretty difficult time for a while. Um, so we were here and um, we were beginning to transition away. And actually, I think I don't think I know the spirit knew that I was too stubborn. And uh, at the time, my parents and most of my siblings were were staying. Um, uh, where they were, and they their their beliefs weren't really changing, and so we for a while attended Red Mountain, and we attended Saturday. So we went to church on Saturday and Sunday for a period of time. And Saturday, the the uh, Armstrong Church, yep. gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday, we would come here to Red Mountain, and I couldn't always go on Sunday because at that time my job I worked at night. Um, I was working the night shift, and I couldn't really come. So Jennifer came. Okay. And Red Mountain had childcare, and so for the first time when I was working one Saturday night, Sunday morning, and no way could I do uh, what others do. They work the night nursing shift and come to church. I just did, and I just literally oh, wow. came, went back and went to bed. And um, Jennifer was coming here to Red Mountain, and she got involved in a mom's group, and then pretty soon she got involved in women's Bible studies. And she was at the tables, and she was at these women Bible studies, 
And she would come back and I would wake up on Sunday or during the week and we'd be talking and she'd say, you know, I'm taking this study. Let me read these verses to you. Hmm. And I don't, I think this is what they're saying. And she would begin to share what she was learning and the truth and the spirit was revealing things to her because I think had it had come from me, I was really concerned, which we all can get, of what others would think, especially my family. And I sure. knew the moment we stepped away, life would be tough for mm. a period of time. Mm. But Jennifer was growing like crazy. Mm. And she was doing these Bible studies. Our kids were beginning to plug in here at Red Mountain and I was dragging my feet. And... um uh, so dragging my f- feet that I remember one time um, later after I was attending, Debbie Fox and Nancy Braun came up to me after I was attending here and said, you know, we were praying for you. Hmm. Because Jennifer would sit in the chairs and um, she would just sob hmm. because she was there with her kids and I would be I would be home whether I was sleeping, but I just couldn't make this step. Not that I couldn't see that, the Lord was doing a work. I was afraid of what I would lose. Hmm. This relationship with family, this little bit of tradition that we had, even though it wasn't traditions of Christmas or Easter or different holidays, but I would lose a little bit of my past. I'd lose a lot of it. And so she kept getting more and more plugged in and she kept praying and these women just kept praying. And then at the time I was getting my master's and I was going to class at night, my MBA. And I made a commitment to her. I said, at the end of my MBA, we'll go, I'll go to Red Mountain. I'll go with you to church. Oh, and I sat there at church and I was as stoic as they could be. <laughs> not a smile, not a lifted hand, nothing. I would just endure And as Bob would preach, and as Peter, even as you led worship and others led worship, I think the spirit began to do a work in my heart. And I watched my wife and she just kept praying. Hmm. Go ahead. Um, So then how would you say that like that, that moment was set up where you arrived at faith in Jesus that was not based on structures that man had created, but was based on the truth revealed in yeah. God's word and the, and the work that it sounds like the spirit was doing. Yeah. Can you describe kind of the lead up to yeah, that? Yeah, I that sure moment? can. So Jennifer was, we were to the point and in our family, even today, when the Jewish holidays come up, so if you know much about um, the Jewish holidays, um, you have the Passover, right? You have the unleavened bread and Pentecost that we just just went through here a few weeks ago, Pentecost Sunday. It's very seasonal, right? You have these spring ones and then you have these fall ones. So when these two times would come, it would get really contentious in our families, hmm. especially within my parents and her her mom who still goes there and her siblings. And life was hard in our families. And Jennifer couldn't take it anymore. She was like, I just need to go talk to somebody. And she says, I just need to go talk to Bob Fox. And here I am. <laughs> I'm like, are, I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Somehow we can figure this out. You know, I didn't want to admit that we just didn't know. Hmm. We just didn't know. And she said, I, I got to go talk to Bob. So she went down to the church office and it was still in the gym building at the time. And and she goes to the admin or secretary, whoever that person was at the time. And they said, you know, Bob doesn't really, doesn't really do this counseling. Can you see somebody else? And she says, no, I need to see Bob. Hmm. And so she went in and Bob listens. And of course, we were wondering about our salvation, our family's salvation, all these things. And he said, you know, he says, I think what you need to do is you just need to read Galatians. Hmm. Just want you to read Galatians. And I I think Jennifer must have read that book every day. Huh. over and over and over and over and over. So you ask, what was the spirit doing? And then she starts saying, you know, Tobin, I think, think maybe we could read this together. And she would read verses. So you ask what started to do that. It was as she was reading Galatians and listening to this, this word that Bob gave, because I was so afraid he was going to say, look at all these things you're doing wrong. And he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. He just simply said, I think what you need to do is just 
read this book. Hmm. And that was where, when you say we started to see is that other gospel wasn't right, Hmm. that it was just simply Jesus. And no longer was it Jew and Gentile, was it slave and free, was it male and female? Jesus had died for everybody. Mm -hmm. And as we started to read that, the Lord opened our minds. And I would say we knew and we came to understand grace, Mm -hmm. saving grace. And it was no longer about what we did and what days we kept that it was just simply belief and Jesus is our savior. And so I look back and you ask what it was. It was just the spirit taking a real stubborn me, Tobin, and softening my heart and watching my wife and him work in her life and him melt her heart. And I remember when she prayed in the closet that... um. And she just asked for forgiveness and she claimed Jesus as her savior. And so watching that, I think, I think we all knew. And then, you know, years later at Shepherd Pool, baptizing her as a, and I was an elder then, but baptizing her and she wanted to be baptized with one of our kids, not because that saved her, because that's what we thought back in the church that baptism held that that thing was she just wanted to tell the world it didn't matter. Mm. All this was over. Mm. And so I think it was when Bob just simply said, read and let the spirit speak to you as you read this book. And so that's what it is. So we still do. If you ask me what the two most (laughs) marked up books in my Bible are, there are Galatians and Ephesians. Mm. And um, I think that's where the Lord took us because he wanted to talk to us. Because it wasn't, he knew it wasn't going to be easy with our families through the decades after that. But that's, that's what he did. So ultimately, that's how we got there. And it was just um, somebody coming mercifully beside us and just uh, putting their arm around us. In this case, it was Bob around my wife and then my wife putting her arm around me and the Lord speaking to us. Yeah, that's such an awesome moment, though, for Bob to trust that the Holy Spirit was going to use Galatians. Yeah. It would have been so much easier to just give uh, Jennifer a checklist of here's things you need to do, here's how you need to pray. If I said, just, no, just go read Galatians. Just to, I, I'm struck by the, the trust that Bob had that God was going to use Galatians. And so that's, that's an awesome story. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's really striking to me. And I also notice as, I mean, I really love that I got to hear this from you and sitting here listening to you and watching you tell this story because it reminds me that, gosh, we all need to come back to Galatians, you know, because whether or not we've had a background that has parallels to yours, every natural inclination in this broken world is to define ourselves and our worth based on what we do, what we Mm -hmm. accomplish. It's all based, it's all a works-based system in different flavors, you know? And when I, when I heard you say grace, Mm -hmm. I just saw, I just saw and heard and felt the relief in your voice. And I Mm -hmm. think that for me, that's a relief I need to, I need to go back to, and I need to re-experience and refresh. So, Thank you for sharing that. So um, if you're listening, go read Galatians. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So after that, I mean, that just, as I said, when you told that story, it represented a massive shift, a massive change in how you were feeling, how you were thinking. So what effect did this new perspective, this new faith in Jesus have on your relationships at that point going forward? Well, I probably should, maybe I'll start with the immediate family, which would be my wife and our kids, right? So I think the relationship with Jennifer and I changed dramatically. Mm. And I think um, looking at her differently, I wish I could say back then I looked at her as an image bearer, which we hear Kyle or we hear frequently Mm -hmm. right now. I can say that now. But I, I think it, it, it reached the point that I saw my wife in such a different view. And I, and, I be, and, and I realized that the Lord had saved me through her. 
She had not provided any saving grace, but he had used her in a mighty way. So my view of her so dramatically changed of how and what she had done. And so when, when, when I was getting ready to come here today for this uh, recording of this podcast, we have a bookshelf in our room. And as I was getting ready, I, I just glanced up at all those studies that she's done in women's study. They're all shelved, all in order. And I, and I, I sat there in amaze and I was just like, yep, that is what he has done through her to get to me and to work with my heart. That's the way the spirit has done it. Then when I looked at our children, how did it do? We engaged here even more at Red Mountain. And all of our children have gone to all the programs at Red Mountain. Hmm. So whether it's Natalie, our oldest, or Nathan, our youngest, whether it started in daycare and and Debbie and that whole group in there for all the decades they've been doing it. And she's watched so many of our kids. And now all the way through high school ministry and even into college ministry and, and, and watching them engage... Um, I think it changed our view of the education we gave our children. Um, all of our kids, you know, three of our children had the opportunity to go to Biola and one one to GCU. Um, I see them now, two of them being married and having their own families and, and watching what the Lord is doing in their lives and how he's shaping and transforming them. I, I just see our whole way of being changed because prior to that, it was all about how we looked and and how we performed and mm-hmm. how we did things. And that would maybe show that we were doing things right. Um, it got a little bit strained with our extended family, candidly. Okay. We love them. I love them dearly. But um, it, it presented a little bit of a difficult situation because they still keep many of those days. Sure. And now we, we love Christmas, we love Easter, we love the celebrations that are around Good Friday, and those are not the same day. They worship on Saturday, we worship on Sunday, so the weekends get a little tangled. Mm. And so we've had to figure out how to work around that. Sometimes it works smoothly, but I'll be honest, and I think it's all of our relationships as believers is evil can get in to situations. Mm-hmm. And we have to realize that it might be something like that. It might be something else. For us, it's that and my extended families. But you know what? We have to remember that Jesus died for everyone. Mm. And we are told to love them. And we are told to, to cherish them. And that is important. And I think when we remember that, those relationships and all those differences seem to get pushed down. And we can have dialogue about where we do have commonality of belief. Yeah. But when we get around ourselves and we think we have it right, then that flares back up mm. and it creates conflict. And so I think that's been a strain. Um, I, am, I am very thankful that um, uh, I think when it comes to relationships here at church or whether it's relationships with family, uh, some of the extended friends that I grew up with, of course, years and years ago, I don't see them very often. But I think the Lord works in a mysterious way, and I and I think that um, I think it was really good. So some of you guys might know that um, a little over two years ago, my brother-in-law passed, and um, so he's married to my sister, and and they are part of one of those um, splinter churches. Okay, and they were unable to host the um, ceremony, the uh, funeral service. Okay. Memorial service. I couldn't think of the word. They were unable to to do it. And so we used Red Mountain. Okay. And um, I asked uh, Preston and Jessica, and, and and they were able to come here. And I was able to see so many who are still there. Mm. But the testimony that was there, I could not believe how many who I had not seen in decades and who came up afterward were so thankful for what Red Mountain had done. And even how... They had seen God's hand and the Lord's hand in even us opening our doors and the huge example that Red Mountain was. It was like a testimony was given and they could not believe how a church who didn't know any of them, and they had had this view sort of of how things were, opened their doors and all this was provided, childcare was provided, all these things were done. And what a testimony. So in many ways, it's, I think the relationships are getting better. I think that 
um, us because we we took this step. It's really neat when I talk to some of my family to hear them speak of grace now mm, in ways wow. that I did not hear 20 years ago. Mm. So is that a way the Lord is using us? Yes, maybe. Mm. And to hear them speak, because many of the family are leaders in their churches, and to hear them speak, and they'll speak on grace, because once in a while I'll be able to hear something or a quote. So I, it changed. It's difficult. But I think the only way we can do it, deal with it is, is you know, uh, when we go to the Lord's Word and we go to God's Word, and He tells us how we are to approach our brother. Hmm. They are my brothers. They are my family. And uh, we're to love them. And when I do that and we do that, I think the relationships are better. And when we don't, they're strained. And I think we all have that. We don't all have those same backgrounds, right? But we all have those events that can cause conflict in our relationships. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit now and hear about how it was you became an elder. You're the first elder that we've had on the podcast so do they like, um, does someone come to you that's wearing like a cloak and a, you know, a <laughs> Yeah, they kidnap and, them. Yeah, they give you a card and they say, you need to be at this place at this time and we're going to show you a secret handshake. And how, how, does, how did that work? Well, that is, uh, <laughs> it, I, I had no idea that day that they were going to ask me and approach me about being an elder. Um, so the way it went, happened with me is Bob Fox uh, set up a meeting. And he said, Tobin, I'd like to meet you for coffee. And that's all I knew. I didn't know another question. That's sly dog. And so um, <laughs> we met at the Starbucks at Power and McDowell. <clears throat> and we sat down and, and uh, he, he um, I said, well, you know, I didn't really even know why we were there other than, you know, this is a great opportunity to talk to the senior pastor and maybe learn from him. And he approaches me and said, you know, we'd like to consider... Um, what do you think? Do you see the spirit might um, be leading you to be on the elder board? We think maybe we should reach out and talk to you about maybe um, becoming an elder here at Red Mountain. And how long had you been going to Red Mountain at this we point? We became members in 2000 and I was an, I was became an elder in 2006. Okay. So it was six years. Okay. Um, and he said, I have a questionnaire. I want you to fill out this questionnaire and... and um, I said, okay, and he gave me the questionnaire and I looked at the questionnaire and boy, there were some things I really had to research because I didn't know anything about some of the words. Yeah, they have some big words on those questionnaires. Yeah, yeah. there's some big words. Yeah. And and exactly what they were looking at. And um, I forget how many weeks weeks or months later, um, the, the elders brought me in and they asked me questions about uh, that I had filled out and they asked me some thoughts and... You know, candidly, I really thought they would say no hmm. because of, you know, I didn't grow up in a traditional evangelical Christian home. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a great loving home, but I didn't, I didn't know all the terms. I didn't know what everything meant. Um, I was learning as fast as I could learn. And, um, but, but the next day, Kevin Norton was the, is the chair of the elder board. And he was then, he called me and he said, we would like you to become an elder and we um, would like you to become a provisional. So I was a provisional elder for about a year and um, went through that process and sat in and, and listened and, and uh, observed hmm. and learned. Yeah. Um, so that was, it wasn't some real secretive approach. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was um, pretty overwhelmed when Bob brought that up. When I went back home uh, after that and told Jennifer, I was more stunned than anything. Hmm. And I, in no way did I even have any idea that they were thinking about that. Um, we were pretty involved in children's and men's ministry and missions and all sorts of things. So I guess they had been observing some things and they had made a decision to, to talk to me and ultimately made the decision to have me come on the elder board in 2006. Hmm. So that's my story. How I got there. So then what's that been like? That's been since 2006, you've been an elder. Um, what's that been like for you? Tell me about some of the rewards and some of the challenges of, of that experience. Well, first, it's probably easier to talk. I'll talk first about the challenges. I think the first few years are pretty challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, the process of of watching how decisions are made um, and watching how the board m- m- moves and how the spirit moves in that dialogue that happens at the meeting was not what... Um, 
I was familiar with mm. and and not in a spooky way, mm-hmm. but in watching that as as scripture was shared or as as voices were shared, that in that voice and in the scriptures, that that's where discussion and where we need to move things would be. Mm. And so when I was first there, I can tell you in the first couple of years, there were so many times I thought, I you know, I don't... I don't know if this is what I should be doing. I don't know if this is what the Lord wants. Not because I didn't think that he was, the spirit was moving in. It was just, I didn't, I wasn't familiar enough with that type of waiting and seeing. Can you, can you describe that a little bit? Yes. What, what that, so sometimes you're going to have a dialogue around something like maybe it would be the hiring of a pastor okay, or maybe the format of worship or at the time we were talking a lot about worship, um, maybe the building of a building or the expansion of a building mm-hmm. and the waiting. And and sometimes we would go and maybe two or three of the elders would say, you know, I, I just, no, I don't think we should move forward with whatever that is or one. And sometimes it would be more than one and waiting and listening and and in the meeting, hearing and in the meeting, okay. And then sometimes we'd end the meeting, and a decision wouldn't be made. We'd say we'll talk about this next month, okay. And then we would go to the next month, and maybe we would talk some more about it, but it still wasn't the right time. Hmm. And then maybe we'd go to the next month, and we'd talk about it again. And I would think at first, wow, boy, this isn't how it works in my place of employment. This mm, isn't how yeah. it maybe works necessarily in my family. This isn't how it works if Jennifer or I or the kids are doing something or we have to make a decision. But what I was learning as I was going through that process is timing, that sometimes you're waiting on the timing Mm. of the Lord and that waiting for that and seeing that happen. And then when, whether it was a building or the hiring of a new pastor or, or how we did something, that when we actually did it, it was right at exactly the time it needed to take place. Mm or the planting of a church right at the moment that we were ready. And then you realize, wow, we really didn't see that. And and um, and in the midst of that, right, we have economic good times and economic bad times and, and how to make decisions around uh, ministries and missions and different things to support and, and watching and waiting to see where the Lord is leading that mm. discussion. Mm. And so that took me time because, you know, there's, there's, there is a lot of scripture that talks about weight. Mm. And, and that, that took me a while to get used to. So that was a little bit of a, a challenge to get used to. What's rewarding is the weight and the, <laughs> and the completion of it and mm. seeing, wow, yep, I didn't know that, but this is what needed to be done. I think it's exciting to see... Um, the staff that we have today, I think it's exciting to see as we've complete, you know, we started back when the gym was pretty small, mm. like many of you did and yeah. others did. It was pretty small and to see the expansion. I think it's been exciting to see the development of children, of adults. I think it's exciting to see the, the planting of churches that we've done, the mm. supporting of, of min, missionaries around the world. I think it's exciting now to see the engagement and the opportunity that the church has in this environment that we have today of a pandemic. What is it that, that the Christian church needs to do? It's exciting to be a part of where do we need to be in that? It's exciting to be in where do we need to be on some of these injustice issues? Where does the church need to be mm. and where we haven't been? Mm-hmm. I think that is exciting to see, hey, we could, there's some areas that we can step into and maybe that's, we need to be there. Mm. Not maybe, we do need to be there and and listen and facilitate. And some of the discussions that I think that have taken place over the last few weeks and months have been a, have been just unbelievable. Hmm. And listening to members and the discussions taking place on Zoom calls or chats or discussions or in circles or whatever you want to call them, where things are being shared that maybe we didn't share in the past. So that is rewarding to see. And to see that that's happening now, and do we have the right leadership that's in place here to facilitate some of that now? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So some of the ups and downs, yeah. most of the time it's good. I think some of the hard times where, you know, we've had some hard transitions hmm. where people have left and mm-hmm. you don't want them to leave. Those are always hard 
and uh, you miss them, but you know the Lord is working with them, and they're going to flourish in maybe another place, and that is good, hmm. and 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 good for both. Well, this has been great. I am yeah. so glad we had the chance to have this conversation. Trent, is there anything you wanted to cover or touch on before? No, I just enjoyed listening. I, I mean, I'm the new guy, so every story I hear is new, and it was awesome to hear from you and get to know you a little better. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Trent. Tobin, yeah. thank thanks, you Peter. so much for just your years of faithful service and and pushing through those challenging times and and for sharing just some of your journey with us right now. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. It was great. I was riveted by that. I'm so glad that we were uh, able to have that talk with him. What, if you could pick kind of one thing that stood out to you from talking to Tobin, what would it be? Uh, just the Spirit's work in his life uh, through specifically his wife, Jennifer, just how he used the Spirit, just used Jennifer, uh, her Bible studies, the, the woman's ministry, praying for Tobin, uh, and, and then how the Spirit was just constantly working through that and eventually brought Tobin to that full knowledge of what grace is in his mm-hmm. life. And that's what really stood out to me is just how through... Um, through some simple questions being asked in their own family about about knowledge, is this true? That then the spirit just kind of took that little foothold and just took over their hearts and has created a, just an awesome group of kingdom changers. Their whole family mm. is just full of just people who love Jesus, and yeah. I think just that's what stuck out to me. It's just that one that one simple step of of just joining women's ministry, doing a a little Bible study and having her uh, fellow friends pray for Tobin. It's changed the the course of their life and the course of uh, their family's lives. And then eventually being to, you know, bless them with using Red Mountain for that memorial service. It just, just seeing how the spirit has just orchestrated all that throughout his life is I think was really stood out to me there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think what maybe is most memorable to me um, was something that you obviously noticed too. And that was how Bob just said, I think you just need to read Galatians, you know, because as, as you said, it would have been really, you know, maybe even tempting for Bob to say, let me explain Galatians to you and, and what relevance it has for your situation in your life. But instead he just said, read Galatians. And I just love being at a church that, that values and trusts the word of God that much you know, you can be you can be confident. At least I've felt for years. I can be confident in a place like Red Mountain that they are not falling into a sort of echo chamber groupthink yeah. kind of deal because they just uphold the Word of God itself and are just eager in teaching all across the board at Red Mountain to just like introduce you to the word of God, maybe give you a couple basic principles on how to, how to, how to read it. But other than that, they just want to set you loose to scripture and, and let the spirit work through that. So that was really cool. I don't think that, I think in his shoes, I wouldn't have trusted scripture that much. I think I would have said, let me walk you through Galatians, you know? (laughs) And so (laughs) I learned from that, learned from Bob taking me to school. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, I think that's it for this episode of Living Stones. You can follow Red Mountain Community Church on Instagram and Facebook and go to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to participate in our podcast question. Leave feedback for us or leave a question for our next guest. And Arian's looking at me like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, So (laughs) on our next episode, we'll be talking once again with our popular guest, TBD, who will share about blank yet again lots of <laughs> lots of things to mine from the topic of blank uh, again you can go to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to submit your question for tbd and you may just hear it read on the next episode oh i didn't tra- i didn't like prep you for this uh, let's see if we can figure it out in the meantime i'm peter franson i'm trent martin thanks for listening and we'll see you some of you that signed up to go to the service on Sunday and the others of you are just this is this whole thing is really messing with my tagline here can, can somebody do something about this COVID situation can we Austin can we get somebody on that yeah I'll, I'll put it in the editing yeah. alright great good alright I'm just getting there <laughs> <laughs>
answer which one you cancel? I don't think I did. I'm still recording. All right, okay. We're coming back. All right, this, we got a we got a rough edit here because I forgot to mention what my actual pick would be. Um, but yeah, I got I got to agree with you, Trent. I got to go with uh, with Narnia. Sorry, Lucy. Yeah, I, I think that we have Lewis's uh, other works, and I'm grateful to have those. But Narnia did not really uh, lead to as many other great things as those other franchises. All right. <laughs> Sorry to give you that extra energy. That's okay. <laughs>